listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. you asked for it. Say that with me. You asked for it. So excited again about this series. You say, well, Pastor Philip, you say that every day. I am. I'm excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about church. I'm excited about life. That's the way I choose to live. And we've covered some awesome topics over this month. We've covered some great subjects, answered some incredible questions. I know parenting, that was a great day. Anyone get any help on that when we're talking about parenting? One person, praise God. If it was just for one, it was worth it. But I know so many people have been touched and it's just a great theme every year to answer the questions that you have. And today really is no surprise too. I I could have picked this one because I knew this was going to be in the top eight. Today we're going to talk about end times. Say with me, end times. We're going to talk about end times, perhaps one of the most talked about subjects, question subjects that are around us today. When we turn on the news, when we have conversations at work, a lot of people have got questions. And again, it's such a massive subject that there's no way, no way that we're going to be able to cover everything in one message. I believe it was last year we preached a message on Wednesday nights, a whole series for four or five weeks called The Hour is Coming. And you can look back on that. We go into a lot more detail of the specific events of the end times, specifically that after the rapture of the church and what's going to happen after we're gone from this earth. But today we're going to hit some high points today that I truly believe are going to really help your life. And I'm going to begin with, we're going to actually read quite a lot of scripture today, so follow along if you have your Bibles, that's great too. But Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25 through 28, we're going to read these words, and there will be strange signs in the sun moon and stars. And here on the earth, the nations will be in turmoil. They will be perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great Glory. That's the rapture of the church. Jesus coming back for his bride, us, the saints of God. Verse 28. So when all these things begin to happen, and we're going to show you today that they already are. When these things begin to happen, here's what the Bible tells us is our responsibility. We need to stand and look up for our salvation is drawing near. We must stand up, look out, for our salvation is near. I wanted to begin with this because I feel this is so important for each and every one of us as children of God to know that we're not instructed in any way to live in fear 
of Christ's return. So many people are bound by fear. That's not God. God's not given us fear. Our position as children of God is not to be afraid of what lays ahead, but anticipate with great joy and excitement the joys that are awaiting those who know Christ Jesus. Do I hear an amen? So the end times is not something, (gasps) what? What's going to happen? What's going to take place? Let's solve it right now. You ready? Get saved and everything's good. Just give your life to Christ and everything is good. In fact, the Bible tells us to stand up, to look out. I love how the Message Bible says it. The Message Bible says it this way. And then, then they shall see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style. A glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high. Why? Because your help is on the way. It's not a time to be afraid as a child of God. Why? Because he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for us. It's something that we need to look forward to. And I really thought it's important to start with that because, again, so many people are so fearful. They're so perplexed and scared of the end times. All the what-ifs, We can solve that with one thing, just like I said a few moments ago. We have nothing to worry about if we're living obedient to Christ. Look at this statement, are you ready? Salvation prepares us for anything that lays ahead. Well, what's going to happen? Hey, if your life is saved, God's going to take care of you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to take care of you. Don't have to be afraid. Help is on the way. Be encouraged today because living saved means living Prepared. So I want to break this message down like we have through this series into three parts today. The parts that I want to break it down is, the first one is when. That's the first part, when. When. The second one is what. And the third one is why. When, what, and why. What do I mean by that? When is all this going to happen and take place? What will be the signs of the times when this takes place? What are we going to see all around us and why? Why will this take place? Why Christ's return? What's the reason for all this to happen? So you ready? Let's go on a journey today. Point number one, when, 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 when will Christ return? When will this take place? Isn't that the age-long question? Isn't that the question that so many people have already predicted And isn't it amazing? We're still here. The prediction was he's coming back in the year 2000. Remember that when everything's going to go crazy, your computers are going to crash, everything. God's coming back in 2000. Hold on a second. 16 years later, we're still here. It's amazing the movies. It's amazing the books that people have written. And they'll sell books up to the event. But then afterwards, they're out of date. They're done. They're they're proven wrong. And it amazes me and amuses me that people would try to put a date on something that there is no date to be placed upon. What do I mean by that? Let's answer it. The the Bible is very clear in regards to when this is going to happen. Read with me, Matthew 24, verse 36. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. No man knows, one translation. So turn to your name and say, you don't know. No man knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. The only one who knows is God. 
God is the only one. So I'm going to give a prediction today when God's coming back. Are you ready? Here's Pastor P's prediction when God says. That's all we can do. God's going to come back when he says he's going to come back. No man knows the time, not even the angels in heaven. Only the Father. And remember, Jesus is the one that's speaking this. Jesus didn't even say, I know the time. He said, only the Father. God the Father knows the time. When we look at the Word of God, there are certain Bible scholars that would look at the Scriptures and call themselves a dispensationalist. It's a big word. Dispensation really means a period of time, a time period, usually between two very distinct events or happenings. People have looked at the Word of God and broken it down into actual seven different dispensations. The one that we are living in now, they call the dispensation of grace, or it's known as the church age, the age of the church. When the church is at its greatest, that's the age that we're living in right now. But I just want to show you something, if I could. The first dispensation is known as the dispensation of innocence. This is when Adam and Eve lived perfect, sinlessly here on this earth. Most people believe that this age or this period of time probably didn't last for more than six or seven days because there are no Sabbath days that are recorded in the creation time or in the garden when Adam and Eve lived. We don't see them observing a Sabbath. We see God resting, but we don't see them observing a Sabbath before what? Before the enemy comes in and he destroys innocence. It's been Satan's goal to destroy innocence since the beginning of time. So we see the first age is from the creation to the fall of man. Then we have the second dispensation, which is known as the dispensation of conscience. The conscience. That's when man fell to the flood of Noah. So what do we see in this time? Man tried to live by his own conscience. Man tried to live by his own rule. He tried to do what he thought was right and tried to follow his ways, but it didn't end up really well because God had to destroy that man and he had to do it by a flood. He called Noah, who built an ark, and only eight people were rescued from the world of that day. That period of time was about 1,700 years right there from the fall to the flood that we read of Noah. Then comes the third dispensation. This dispensation is known as human government. So man tried to rule by what he thought, but now he tries to set rules. He tries to set structure and order, authority, a government system in. So he tries to impose his rule again, which doesn't work too well. We see this period of time is from the flood to when God called Abram out of a land. This period of time was probably about 350 years long. God calls Abraham. It begins another dispensation called the dispensation of promise. What did God promise Abraham? I will bless your seed. I will bless those around. God allowed man to do his thing. But then God came in and said, hold on a second, man. Let me come back and remind you of my thing. And God gives a promise to mankind that Abraham stepped out of his homeland into a land like Jim said that he didn't know. But God was with him and God said, trust me because I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless everyone else around you. 
So we see this comes from the call of Abraham to the law of Moses, the Mount Sinai, when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt and then in the wilderness, God gave the law to Moses. This was about a 500 period of years. Then man stepped into the dispensation of law. That was the fifth dispensation. Law was never God's intent and law was never God's way that he wanted to rule mankind. In fact, God gave mankind the Ten Commandments for this reason, to show them again that there was no way humanly possible they could live by those commands. They could obey those commands and they could fully fully fulfill every one of those commands. So it showed man again the need for God. We see this happen from Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And we see this all the way up to Christ, the birth of Christ. Again, about a period of 1,500 years. Now stay with me, this is going somewhere, I promise. Then we step into what's known as the dispensation of grace. This is where we are today, the church age. It came from Christ when he was born right to where we are now. Over 2,000 years, 2,016 years and counting. So in this dispensation, whenever this dispensation comes to an end, and what's going to end this period of time is going to be the rapture of the church when God comes back for his bride and takes us out of here. Then this earth is going to receive and be through a great tribulation period. The tribulation period is going to be broken up into two separate sections. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to come into rule. He's going to come into authority. He's going to make treaties and peace with the world. He's going to unite the world and come together. And then he's going to turn on them. And for the last three and a half years, there's going to be war. There's going to be devastation and destruction as he turns against Israel, as he turns against God's chosen people. So much more is going to happen during that time. But then we're going to see there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be the battle of Armageddon. There's going to be the second coming when Christ comes down victoriously again. And then there's going to be what? The binding of Satan. And during all that time, there's going to be another dispensation that we'll step into, which is called the millennial reign. Millennium means a thousand years. It's going to be a thousand years of peace and rest on this earth that Satan is going to be banned. And he's not going to be allowed and there's going to be peace. But then towards the end, he's going to be released and he's going to cause such turmoil. And he's going to cause such devastation till one day God says enough is enough. And he's going to banish him forever to hell. I know that's a lot of information right there. But I say all that to say this. Something I believe that's very important. To look at the dispensation where we are right now. Because the dispensation we are right now is some three, four hundred years longer than any other dispensation that has happened since the beginning of time. You may say, well, that doesn't matter. I believe it does. Because remember what dispensation we are in. We are in the dispensation of grace. Grace, grace. God's unmerited favor, what you and I do not deserve, but God gives it to us 
any why. Do you know why I believe this dispensation is longer than anything else? Because God is holding out for one more soul to be saved. That's the grace and the mercy of God. He's ready for his bride. He wants us to be reunited with him. But he's holding out everything for people to give their lives. For one more soul to be saved. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 shows us this in such a beautiful way. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. What's His promise? I'm coming back for you. The Bible says He's not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness, but He is long-suffering towards us. New Living Translation says He's been patient for our sake. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen to what it says from the Message Bible. Are you ready? It says, God isn't late with His promise. That's His return, the rapture of His church, as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on the account of you, holding back the end. The end there is capitalized. It's not just an end. It's the end of this world when the rapture of the church is going to take. He's holding back the end. Why? Because He doesn't want anyone lost. He has given everyone space and time to change. And I want you to know something right now. We are in a space and time right now that you can call overtime, baby. We're in overtime. We're in a period of grace. What do I mean by that? You can ask any biblical scholar of today. You can even Google it. There are no more prophecies to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. Everything is in perfect place in an order. All it is waiting on is a voice from heaven saying, go and get them, the voice of God. That's all that is waiting and happening today is for the rapture of the church. We're waiting on the instruction of God. And what do we know? Hear me today. There are no second chances the other side of eternity. Today, the Bible says, is our chance. Today is the day. There's still time today. But I'm saying, many people have said words like this. Oh, I still have time. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a week. Maybe you have a month. Maybe you have a year. But maybe God could come back tonight. You see, we're not guaranteed of knowing how much time we have. But one thing we are guaranteed of knowing is who holds our life in His hands. And I'm not trying to scare you into giving your life to Christ. Remember those old movies years ago, Left Behind? So many people, oh, and they freaked out and they made an emotional decision. We're not trying to freak you into the kingdom. But we're trying to warn you, and that is this. We're telling you the truth. Time is over. This is borrowed time. This is grace that we're in right now. So make sure that God is holding out for one more to be saved. But one more could be his last. One more could be his last. Back to Matthew 24, 36 and 44. But the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven But what? My Father in heaven. But as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. 
And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Picture this, they're just carrying on life. Everything's good. Everything's normal. Come on to the ark. Oh no, everything's good. Everything's normal. And then God shuts the door. God had to shut the door of the ark. You know why God had to shut the door of the ark? Because if he would have allowed Noah to control the door of the ark, Noah would have opened it to let everyone in and the ark would have been destroyed and mankind would have been taken out. And you can say, well, where's the grace of God in that? Noah preached for a hundred years to turn and repent because the end is coming. He, he preached every day. God gave everyone of that day the opportunity to hear. Just like today, there's no greater time when you can turn on the TV, you can turn on the radio and you can hear the gospel being preached. The gospel has been preached today because that's one of the things to be fulfilled. The gospel has been preached to every nation of this world. And everyone has the ability to hear it. And just like in the days of Noah, man was just carrying on his life with no regards to the afterlife, no regards to eternity, but just saying, hey, I'm young. I'm just going to live how I want. Goes on to say in verse 40, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But notice what it says, verse 43, but know this. You don't know the hour, but the Bible's telling us we can know this. What does it say? Know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would have sat up with his shotgun loaded and ready. Amen. And that the modern day translation right there. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So therefore, here's the answer to when. You also be ready. What's the answer to when? I don't know when, but I know how I need to be prepared. The Bible says, I've got to be ready. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Come on, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? New Living Translation says all the time you need to be ready. For the Son is man is coming at an hour that you do not know. You do not expect. You don't know. So when? It really could be today. Are you ready? I pray it's today. Wouldn't it be great? I said, wouldn't it be great? If you're reserved about that, then you need to make your peace with God because there's nothing here that's worth staying for. Everything is up there where we want to be. So what, what, what? Point number two, you're still with me today. So what will be the signs? What's going to indicate the fact that the end is near? Some we have already read, but God gives us signs of this world that will indicate when everything is ready for his return. He doesn't just leave us out in the cold and say, bam, I'm really going to surprise you. We don't know when he's going to come, but he shows us the timing or he shows us when these things are going to happen, you better be ready. You better be ready. So what I want us to do today is we're going to check the boxes. Can we do that today? Can we check the boxes? Because we're going to list down the last days, the signs of the times, and we're going to check the boxes. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Five verses that list what is going to be around us. What will be the signs of the day? It says this, but know this. 
Again, this is something that we can see around us, the Bible is telling us. In these last days, perilous times will come. Check. Look around us today. Perilous things are happening all around us. Monumentous events are taking place all around us that we haven't seen in the magnitude ever before on the face of this earth. And it's not just because now we're aware of these things. Perilous things are happening in a greater proportion than ever before. But remember, we're not to be afraid. We're looking up and standing true because our salvation, our help is on the way. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Now, now you look at that in regards to, there's actually two meaning. That's fine, check. We're, we're checking them as we go. There's actually, I believe, two meanings here. I believe that man has become so selfish and so self-centered like never before, that they are lovers of themselves in the fact of they're taking pride. It's about me and my world. And that's one of the greatest oppositions to the way of God is I, 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 me, 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 what I want, because that will fight. Pride will fight against God's work. So we see a selfishness like never before, people looking out for themselves above anything else. But I also believe that there's a second meaning there when it means that men will be lovers of themselves. We see it all around us today, and I believe that's speaking of homosexuality and lesbianism. That they will love themselves within their own gender that they will come together. Romans speaks about this as despicable and wrong against God, against the very nature of God, against the design of God, because God made man and woman to produce life. Life cannot come out of a union like that. They cannot produce life. And God has always created that which can produce life. That was God's instruction for man. Go forth and multiply, be fruitful and bless the earth. You cannot see that productivity in a homosexual relationship. Oh, we can adopt. Yeah, but that's not bringing forth life. That's taking life that's already created. And can I say it this way? And screwing it up rawly. Because you're messing with those children's minds when you're bringing them into something that's not godly and not right. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for this. And thank God we're in the period of grace and the dispensation of grace around us right now because the judgment that we see in this world could call the end of this world. Even our high court rulings are legalizing marriages between the same sex. So what do we see? Men loving themselves. Check, check, check. That's a sign of the end of the times. Read on. They will be lovers of money. Wow, people are chasing that mighty dollar like never before. Pushing everything else aside. Pushing their families aside. Pursuing their careers. Pushing their friendships aside. Pursuing their careers. Can we say check to that? Come on, it says boasters, proud, blasphemers. Check, check, check. I looked up the word blasphemy in the dictionary. It's the act of insulting or showing contempt and lack of reverence to a deity. Let me say that again. The act of insult or showing contempt, lack of reverence to a deity. There's never been a day that the name of God has been so misused and abused. And man has thumbed up into the face of God. 
look at this. I even say this, that the title or the emblem that they use for the homosexual lifestyle is the rainbow. That's a thumb up in the face of God. Why? Because God said, I'll never destroy the world again. And here's my promise. God gave a rainbow. So what has the world done? Stuffed the promise in the face of God, almost as a blasphemous thing and saying, God, we dare you to do something about it. Man, we live in times of greater blasphemy than ever before. When have you sat in a movie and heard someone take the name of Buddha in vain? Muhammad. Oh, Muhammad. They want to blaspheme the true name of Jesus Christ because that was one of the commandments. God says, you're not going to blaspheme and misuse my name. And the world wants to do that every day. The next is pretty eye-opening too. All the young men and women in here, you better sit up and listen to this because you know one of the signs of the times is you will be disobedient to your parents. Disobedience. But I really believe this is more than just doing wrong. We're children. We were children. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to do wrong. I believe this is a new realm of wrong like never before. I believe this is just a blatant, total disrespect for parents and authority and rule that we are seeing around us today. That kids on the shows that we watch for TV, they have no respect for their parents. They paint the parents as just total idiots. I believe that's what's happening as we see around us today. Just a willful disdain and rebellion against the instruction of parents. Check. Unthankful. Check. Well, you owe me. What's up with that today? Have you noticed the entitlement that there is around us today? That I deserve this? I I should come straight out of college and make $17 an hour? That's the least. I am entitled. People are so unthankful today. They have so much. And we see it in our house. And I see it in my life too. It's not just my kids. But we're like, oh, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. We've got everything to do. Well, I just want a new PlayStation. Well, what's wrong with your old one? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just because there's another one. People are unthankful today. Check. Are you with me today? Unholy. Unholy. Check. How long do we have today left? could talk on weeks and days on this. There's such a rebellion today against God's holy word. When we talk about a holy God, it means a God who is incapable of doing wrong. He cannot do wrong. Everything he does is perfect and right. What do we see? An unholy world today that is going against everything that God says is perfect and right, that man is doing everything they can to disdain that, to twist that, to abuse that, and to go against it. I'm so thankful today we're in the dispensation of grace. I'm just telling you right now, I'm so thankful that His Spirit is there. But be reminded, the Bible says His Spirit will not always strive with man. There's going to be an end. There's going to be a day when the trump of God's going to sound and God's going to say, go and get Him. He's going to draw an end to all of this. Read on. Unloving, unforgiving, and slanderous. Check, check, check. I mean, isn't this just such a vivid picture of where we are living today? And we're not just talking about America. We're just talking about this world. Look at the next one. Without self-control. How many people do you know right now, maybe yourself, that are living completely out of control? Out of control in their spending? 
out of control in their habits. Come on, addictions and and bondages in people's lives are greater than ever before. Why? Because people have lost vision and lost hope. You see, we have a vision in Christ that He's coming back to us, and that keeps the restraint of our lives. But the Bible says when people have no revelation or vision, they're going to run wild. They're going to be out of control. They're going to lose control of their actions. Look around us today, the addiction, the abuse, the rape, everything that's around us today. Man is out of control. And we have more laws today than we have ever had to try and keep control. But yet man is more out of control than ever before. Brutal. Brutal. You can turn on the news and you'll see someone murdered today for $10 for someone to go and get a hit of heroin. The brutality that we see around us today. It's just horrific. Parents beating their children. Just the brutality that we were around. Let's look at this. Despisers of good. Verse 4. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Check, check, check. Pursuing happiness at any cost instead of godly joy. Godly joy is fulfillment no matter the circumstances. But everyone just wants to be happy. They want to go after their own pleasures rather than being lovers of God. Finding pleasures in their own things. Trying to fill a God-shaped void that only He can fill with everything else. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness. Notice small g there. Imposing God, acting like God, acting like a Christian, acting like they know God's word. Having a form of godliness, but yet what? Denying its power. If there's no power, there's no God. Come on, if there's no power, there's no God. They're trying to trick us and deceive us to do this and do that. I'm telling you right now, God doesn't need trick tactics. God is who He says He is. You don't have to have a form of godliness. You can live in the power of God and have godliness around you. There's many things that appear powerful today, but I want you to know they're subjective power. What do I mean to that? They are subject to the power and the control of God. Even Satan is subject to the power and the control of God. Read Job. Where have you been? God says to Satan, and he has to give an account for everything. And then God says, well, you can go and do this, but you can only go so far. He is subject to the power and the authority of God. Verse 34, and from such people turn away. From such people turn away. Now we could say, okay, we could go through the list, boastful, boastful, hateful, prideful, those people. But from such people, I I even labeled it this way, watch the relationships that you're keeping. Watch the relationships that you're keeping because wrong relationships and people being swayed by the wrong things is all signs that the end is coming. And relationships are perhaps one of the greatest powers that will pull you away from the truth of God. Check. By my calculation, nothing is unchecked. Come on, I'll stand corrected today. Is there anyone that wants to dispute anything that we've talked about today? Does anyone want to stand up for the world and defend the case that the world is great and everything's great and people are loving each other and people are more thankful than ever before? They're more gracious, they're more giving, they're more kind, they're more about everyone else. Come on, come on, none of us can defend that because every one of us knows that every sign of what will need to happen for God to call an end to this has already taken 
place. We even read it in Luke chapter 21. So pastor, what will be the signs? Look around you. Look around you. It's here. You're seeing it every day. But be reminded, come on, we don't have to be afraid. Come on, no fear. No fear. We're just living prepared. We're living ready. We're trusting God, knowing God. Last point, why? Why? So why will this happen? Why is all this going to take place? The main reason all this is going to happen is that God is going to call an end to this earth. So he can be once again reunited with us, his prized possession, with his bride, with mankind that he loves. Sin destroyed a separation, caused a separation and a gulf between God and mankind. God sent a redeemer to once again restore that. And through salvation, we have that. But God one day wants to call us home with him so we can hang out with God. We can be home with him. So he is setting up all of this so he can come back for his glorious bride. I believe also that why will this take place, meaning the rapture of the church, why will it take place? I believe it will take place for us to escape the tribulation too. There's three thoughts when it comes to the tribulation. There's those who are post-trib, there's those who are mid-trib, and there's those who are, are sorry, pre, mid, and post. Pre, before, mid, in the middle, the three and a half years when the treaty is going to be destroyed and there's going to be unrest on this earth. And then post-trib after everything has happened. You can believe whichever one you want. I'm a pre-tribber, baby, because I just believe that God is not going to see us suffer on this earth. I believe there's enough suffering that we're seeing around us right now. And the Bible says, lift your head up high because your redemption is drawing nigh that we're going to be out of here. Now, if you're mid-trib, that's fine. Hang out and tell us what's going on. If you're post, then that's great. But all I know is this, you better be one of the tribs. You better be out of here. You better be gone. So whichever one you believe, don't split the church on it. You just be prepared for whichever one you want. But I'm wanting out of here because I believe that God is going to spare us his bride and it's going to take us. And I'm going to show you why in a few seconds. But here's the main reason why all this is going to happen. Are you ready? So Satan is going to be bound and sent to hell once and for all. Satan has had his day and God's going to bring a close to his day and say, no more, that you are done deceiving and taking the peace and the life away from mankind. John 14, beginning in verse 1, says, let not your heart be troubled. I love that. So many times when we read about the end times, God reminds us, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Remember, the only fear that we have is when God is not in our lives. As a child of God, we're okay. We don't have to have fear. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Message Bible says, don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Verse 2, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it not so, I would have told you. In other words, New Living Translation says there's more than enough room in heaven. There's more than enough. I know some of you are thinking, man, if heaven's like pre-flood or post-flood, we're in trouble because I'm sick and tired of living with my family in my house. Do you want to hear an amen? There's going to be plenty room in heaven. Not going to have to share a three-bedroom house with 29 people. Amen. You're going to have your own mansion. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can have your own place. Thank you. God says, I'm going to prepare a place 
for you. Verse 3, and if I go, has he gone? So he's gone. So he's already gone. So he says, so when I go, guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in the same way I went, come on, in the same way, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you to myself. Come on, everyone, just do this. You ready? One, two, three. Just do that. You ready? One, two, three. What are you doing? We're just getting rapture ready. Come on, we're just, re- we're just ready to get out of here. Come on now. Just going to get rapture ready. We'll get you to lift your hands in church somehow. Amen. But he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come and get you. I love how the New Living Translation paints this picture. God says, so you will be with me for always. No more separation. I've got chills. No more separation. I'm coming back. Why? Because I love you so much and I'm coming back for you. Now, that's an incredible promise. Arnold Schwarzenegger thought he had it. Come on, I'll be back. God says, no, I'll be back. Come on, God says, I'll be back. What's God doing? He's just fluffing the pillows right now, amen? He's just making the beds. He's just stocking the pantries. He's just getting everything ready for us. Why? Because at any time right now, it can happen. He's not building your house. It's already built. It's all ready to go. He's just waiting on the Father to say, Son, blow that trumpet. It's time. But look at this, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Get it right. And now you know what is restraining. Listen to this. That he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. In this passage of scripture, there's two he's that are mentioned here. The first he is the glorious church of God. That's you and I, the saints of God. The second he that is listed and recorded here is the Antichrist. And notice this, the church is labeled as the one that is restraining, holding back right now, because I believe from this we see that this is pre-trib we're going, because the Bible says that when he is taken out of the way, the restraining one, the church, then the Antichrist, the lawless one, will be able to step into power and have authority. But right now the church is holding back anything from taking place. But you know what? No matter when the lawless one steps into power, his time and his power is going to be limited because I'm telling you right now that God is just going to flick him down. I love how it says, God says, I'm going to just destroy him by the breath of my mouth. Come on, that's what God says. Come on, I'm going to consume him with the breath of my mouth. Don't mean God's got bad breath. Turn to your neighbor and say, his breath's good, baby. His breath's good. Some people can almost destroy you with their breath. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're tired of me saying, talk to the neighbor beside you because that person beside you is destroying you with their breath today. Tic-tac, anyone? But he's going to be destroyed by God. Revelations 20, I don't have the scripture, but listen to it. Revelations 20, 14 and 15. Then death and Hades are going to be cast into the lake of fire. 
That's speaking of Satan and everything to do with Satan. That's going to be the second death. And anyone found not written in the Lamb's book of life is going to be cast into the fire also. So what have we tried to do today? I hope that we've answered a question for you today. So when? No one knows. But thank God for His grace. And thank God for His delay. But we're in borrowed time. We're in borrowed time. We're not promised tomorrow. That's why the Bible says, handle your business today. Today is the day of salvation. Deal with it right now. Young person, older person, you may say, I've still got time. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. And the risk, I believe, is not worth taking because there's no second chances on the other side. So what? What needs to happen for all this to be fulfilled? The prophecies. What needs to take place? All prophecy and everything is fulfilled and and it's happening all around us. What needs to place is taken care of. So why? Because God wants to save us from all this suffering and to take us home with Him. Revelations 21.4 says this, And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. There's going to be no pain and suffering in heaven. There's just going to be rejoicing. It's just going to be a party every day. We're going to enjoy life. There's no sun in heaven. You know why? Because we don't need sunlight because God's glory is going to be the light of that city, that great Jerusalem of God. So you asked for it today. The end times. The end times. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Would you stand? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.